0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Everyone should have a family member like my family member. His hallmark is that he assumes that he belongs to the family no matter what. Now, there's a spectrum of examples of this character trait of his. At the most extreme end is his ability to get into trouble, and real trouble that needs a family help. At the other end of the spectrum are more ordinary experiences, uh, even uh, laughable, and I want to share a couple of those with you, just to illustrate this character trait that I'm, that I that I think we need to hear about on this uh, uh, Sunday after Easter. Thanks be to God. So my mother and I like to tease him about the time that he, um, we left the house in his care, and he uh, made sure that he diligently watered the plant. Uh, not noticing, of course, that it was an artificial plant. And so we got to tease him about that uh, later, that it didn't need watering. And he had this remarkable ability to laugh with us, uh, it was just like him. He it, it wasn't uh, embarrassed or ashamed or anything. He just chuckled with us and said, yeah, that's, that's me, all right. And uh, on a second occasion, um, we left the house in his care and asked him to um, uh, you know, hide the key under the uh, you know, hide the key and leave a note as to where he had hidden it, so that we could get get back in. And uh, and guess what he did? He he put the note. He pinned the note on the front door. And in the note it said, um, uh, "Dear family, the key is under the mat." Uh, and so we pointed out to him that, of course, any intruder would see the note on the door and read it and uh, and and invade the house. And once again, uh, with just a tiny little uh, smile, he uh, he laughed at his folly. Um. We never made him feel rejected by those kinds of incidents or the more serious, grievous incidents of his life. Uh, and here's the, here's the reason. He had been adopted and the elder, my elders who adopted him made sure that the entire family uh, deliberately, intentionally made him feel welcome as if he were just like the rest of us. And it worked. Uh, and so even even um, in more recent occasions where he's been in some significant trouble, um, we've still not rejected him from the, he's not been ejected from the family uh, for his for his challenges that's the hallmark that I hear us um, being called to for this this Easter observance uh, and let me tell you why let me tell you why. His kind, he has a kind of confidence and surety that he belongs as one of us, and because there's a reciprocity where he assumes it and we affirm it, um, and even in places where he might doubt it, we affirm it for him. Even places where he, he gets so beleaguered in his life journey that he he can't um, he can't recall it, we 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 make overtures and interventions on his behalf. I would not call it codependent. I would call it unconditional love. And so our epistle reading for today makes a similar kind of point. My little children, we hear in the first John reading, my little children, the intimacy of a family, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, uh, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now, here's our challenge on this Sunday in which we hear a gospel about the so-called doubting Thomas. I think we doubt that there's an advocate for the whole world, an advocate who is able through our Lord Jesus Christ to provide atonement for the failings, foibles, faults, grievous actions and behaviors, sins of the whole world. I think that's our equivalent. I would call it our spiritual equivalent of of doubting the resurrection. Denying that there is an atonement sufficient to restore, re, reclaim, rehabilitate, reform, renew the whole world unconditionally, and uh, and that's our challenge, I believe, in this in this 50 days, these great 50 days of Easter, this Easter tide season, to to focus on that resurrection reality. That there might be new life for us and for all people. What would it look like for us to stop denying that atonement power? Well, we get a little window of it in the gospel reading in which Jesus appears uh, among the disciples uh, with Thomas there and proves to Thomas that it's, it's his risen body. You know, Thomas, put your hand in my side, feel the wounds, know that it's me. Um, But before that, notice what he says. Um, He comes to them twice and says, peace be with you. You know, these, these, these disciples who have their own issues of having betrayed him on the night that he was handed over. He offers them peace and restoration. He restores them as apostolic agents of his. And then he says... And then he breathes on them, gives them breath, the life of breath. Remember Genesis, the breath of the Spirit brooding over creation. He breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, the new dispensation of the Spirit that breathed over creation and gave life to all living. A new dispensation where he breathes on them, but but what's the focus of his breathing on them and giving them the authority and power of the Holy Spirit? He says, If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. That's the apostolic authority. That's the discipleship power and role and status that they get restored to after they're having betrayed him on the night that he was handed over. And that's the apostolic vocation delivered to us passed on to us, into which we are inaugurated by our baptism uh, to become agents. Agents of what? Releasing people from their sins. Retaining them if we will. But the calling is atonement, right? He is the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. So we're being sent out to do that to other people. Instead, what are we doing? What am I doing in this last year or these last years? I am binding people. I am retaining them in their sins. Maybe you're doing this too. Um, I shame. I condem- I shame them. I condemn them. I make snide remarks and ridicule. I, I to perpetrators, people whom I think you know are worthy, deserving of approbation, of censure, of criticism, of blame. I ladle it on them. And they on me too, by the way, (laughs) we're all equal opportunity accusers in this culture, this culture of accusation. And in that way, retaining the sins of people, binding them instead of loosing and releasing them. Now, if we're called to be agents of our Lord's resurrection life, newness of life, renewal, we've got to do exactly the opposite, right? But instead, we're in a state of denial, of doubt. We really doubt that the atonement is sufficient for those people, those perpetrators over there, those, the worst ones. And of course, the Christian attitude is, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I, the chief of sinners. That's the hallmark of our repentance, of our Lenten penitence. I crucified you. Paul is clear he was the traitor. The disciples are clear that they all betrayed him. We are clear that it's not just or those people over there, those perpetrators, but it's in my heart that the shift needs to be made. If we could tra- traverse that divide, how much could we, re- we be receiving re- new life in the world where people would experience us as adopting them Adopting them into the family in defiance of everything they do or say or want to proclaim who they are, not like us Christians, not wanting to belong to us, fine. But instead, here's what we could be doing instead. Precisely where they're not capable of doing for themselves, atoning for themselves, either not willing or not able, we could be atoning for them proactively. On your behalf, I clean up that pollution. On your behalf, I take in those refugees and asylum seekers that you reject. On your behalf, I heal the wounded. On your behalf, I compensate, uh, uh, make restitution to those who are being exploited. Even though though it's not my particular sin, not my people who did that to you, but because there are perpetrators who are incapable, I take it on proactively. I adopt you, so I'm calling on us to adopt perpetrators and adopt their victims, to be that Christ, our dean so eloquently in last Sunday's sermon, Easter sermon. Did you get that? Did you hear it? Let me quote it. No one gets to experience resurrection completely until everyone has experienced resurrection. Doesn't it remind you of the pandemic? As long as there, is a po- there are a pocket of people on the planet who still have the corona19, the coronavirus, the COVID-19. 2019. and now it's 2021. And how many more t- decades in this century will it be before we eradicate this virus? As long as it's alive and well, any place on the planet, all of us are at risk. We're in this together and the dean rings that bell about the resurrection. No one gets to experience resurrection completely until everyone has experienced it. It doesn't matter who is first, just like it doesn't matter who was first to see Jesus in the gospels, still quoting our dean. It doesn't matter because Jesus has not been fully seen until everyone, everyone has seen Jesus. In fact, according to the gospel of Mark, he goes on, what matters is not our seeing Jesus, What matters is our being Jesus. Being Jesus to other people. Being resurrection to other people. Giving people life and breath. That is resurrection. Well, finally, we have our psalm appointed for today, which is a beautiful um, evocation of this kind of unity. What if all mankind could be adopting all humankind, could be adopting all other humankind? And uh, and invoking over them this Psalm 133, the classic psalm of kindred unity and inclusivity. How very good and pleasant it is when kinfolk live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained the blessing, life forevermore. Let it flow like the oil of anointing, this atonement good news, sufficient for the whole world, and ourselves as heralds, agents, and incarnations of that good news. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.